Welcome to the South Mims U podcast from here at the heart of our distributed campus. Today we're at our usual quiet table in the annex of Raffaella's Cafe, a favourite haunt for both faculty and students, at least while we raise funds to build our very own dining hall. Our architecture department has submitted drawings for a radical design which hints at the local legacy of the old factory that was just a mile away, whilst mixing elements of Frank Lloyd Wright with Le Corbusier and a smidge of Sir Christopher Wren. It's set to be fabulous. Okay, so it's time to talk to the head of a unique department at the university. It's one of the few serial killer courses offered by any college and is headed by Mark Shitkovsky. Mark. It's Sitkovsky. That's what I said. You said Shitkovsky. I hate it when people say it that way. It's Sit. Sitkovsky. My Polish friend. Fuck your Polish friend. It's Sitkovsky. Okay. Sorry. No problem. Many people might think that a serial killer studies department was, uh, well, a bit... A bit what? Strange. Strange? Well, why study serial killers? Well, why not? Well, indeed, why not? So what's the question? That some people might find it a bit strange to study serial killers. But which people? Some people. Yeah, but which people? Who's been saying it's strange? No, I'm just imagining people might think it was strange. Which people? I don't know any people who said so. I'm just supposing that they might. Might what? Think it was strange. But no one has actually told you it's strange. It was a hypothetical question. I'm sorry. Shall we move on? Well, I'd like to meet these people. What people? The ones who supposed who think it's strange. Let's leave that question aside, shall we? Aside? Will you ask it to me again? Well, no, 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 no. Let's ditch the question. Ditch it? What made you decide to become an academic specialising in serial killers? Well, it's a, it's a cultural obsession. I grew up with so many serial killers. It was, a, it was inevitable I'd become fascinated. You grew up with serial killers? Well, you mean in your family? My family? No. You said you grew up with... In the zeitgeist. Oh, sorry. The zeitgeist. Could you explain that? Well, what a zeitgeist is. No, no, no. The serial killer zeitgeist in which you grew up. Every movie was about a serial killer. Every TV cop show. Every miniseries. All the newspapers were full of serial killers. Every airport novel. All the different serial killers with elaborate signatures. Signatures based on the Bible or Shakespeare or The Wizard of Oz. There was a serial killer based on The Wizard of Oz. The If Only I Had a Heart Killer, 2001. What did he do? She. Approximately 15% of serial killers, or SKs as we call them in the trade, are women. Well, what did she do? Cut the hearts out of lions. Oh, my. But, well, killing a lion isn't... It's not like serial killing, is it? If you kill a lot of them and rip their hearts out and leave behind a pair of silver slippers, it is. Wasn't it ruby slippers? Not in the book, only in the movie. Oh, OK. So this... This this SK, a woman... Ruby Pantilamon. Ruby Pantilamon. She killed lions. How, how many lions? Twelve. Well, where did she find twelve lions? Well, in zoos and safari parks across the United States. Oh, of course. I was lead investigator. I specialise in animal-related ed- evidence in serial killing cases. Is there much call for your expertise? Not much. That was the only one so far. Right. Though we do have a local case here in South Mims, don't we? The, the, the South Mims slasher 
as the Potter's Bar Times called it, in a particularly lurid story recently. I, I don't know much about that. Well, it's a local case. It's not officially an SK case. Well, when does it become one? When the body count gets to five. But didn't they change the official definition of a serial killer recently? Didn't they lower the threshold? I mean, the, the body count. The body count you have to achieve to be classified as a serial killer, an SK. Yeah, they, they put it down to two. Two separate murders in different places with evidence of a signature. But that's cheapening the whole thing, in my opinion. Well, why is that? Well, anything under five is child's play, sometimes literally. You see, an SK develops. He or she grows, formulates their approach, sharpens their technique. <laughs> that's good, I like that. What? Sharpens their technique. It's clever. What? The wordplay. I don't play with words. In this business, you can't play with words or definitions. You're either dead or not dead, hacked to pieces or intact, a random murder or something more elaborate and beautiful. Beautiful? What? You said beautiful. That, that seems a bit odd. It's an odd thing to say. I mean, cohesive. Some SKs achieve a symmetry, which is, whichever way you look at it, beautiful. You see, that's the essence of the course we offer, the Serial Killer Studies course. It's about the form and function of each murder as it fits into a pattern, a larger pattern of performance. Hmm. So uh, you see um, serial killings as a kind of performance? Yes. Why? Because the serial killers themselves do that. For them, it's a kind of performance. It might be for an audience of one or two or three, if you include the victims, but it's often for a much wider audience, too. It's a bit sick, isn't it? Well, why is it sick? Well, it's murder, torture, sometimes rape. Often rape. Which is why it's, uh, it's sick, no? It happens. You can't deny it happens. It's an event. We're all drawn to it, to the real events, the real images, the real stories of the Jeffrey Dahmers or Ted Bundys of this world... And so it becomes a form of entertainment which crosses over into fiction and all that binge-watching people do on their fat behinds. It's a bit judgmental, isn't it? Not really. OK, let's keep track of this idea then. The idea that what you're doing in serial killer studies is to see the actions of real serial killers as a kind of performative practice. You need to do so because that's what SKs do. They gratify something within them as a performance at the time of the killing. In their minds, they write a script for each murder. Then they produce it, and some of them advertise it. They write letters, or they leave, leave behind totems. And they also take souvenirs, which they then use as props in other performances. I'm thinking of body parts in the freezer, or in solution in a plastic bucket in a basement behind the boiler, that kind of thing. It's all pretty gruesome. Well, if you can't stand the guts, get out of the abattoir. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> a nice reformulation of a phrase we all understand. Right, so uh, uh, your student... Student. Student. It's a new course. Right, yes, and every college is having difficulty recruiting students right now. I gave him an unconditional offer. Well, what qualifications do you need, usually, to get onto this course, I mean? Well, anything. Anything and maths. Maths? There are lots of numbers involved, from body counts to blood spatter to amputations. Oh, of course, yeah, oh, I see. 
Now you started off by talking about the culture of all this, so how we're all imbued with it. Well, it took off in the 1970s, the recent golden age of serial killers, as one writer called it. Golden age. 1970 through to 2000, with a peak in the late 80s and 1990s. In fact, the term itself, serial killer or serial killing, did not appear until the late 60s. Before that, it was a stranger-on-stranger killing or a recreational killing. Recreational? Killing for kicks or from compulsion, randomly choosing a stranger, or picking up a prostitute or a homeless person or a drifter or a postman and killing them to satisfy an urge. A postman? As in the South Mem slasher, he or she killed a postman. Ah, yes, yes, of course. Other terms were pattern murder, sequential homicide, compulsive murder, multiple murder, that kind of thing. I find it hard to believe that the term serial killer is so so recent. That, that's amazing. That's why we need serial killer studies. Definitely. It's actually amazing that when Jack the Ripper was ripping and riffing in 1888, between August and November of that year, the word serial was not used at all. Instead, people talked about the monster, the madman and so on. Ah, so was he the, the, the first serial killer? Not at all. No way. The author, P Peter Vronsky, traces serial killing all the way back to our origins as a primitive species. So when you watch a Psycho or Dirty Harry or Silence of the Lambs, and countless other stories, what you're really doing is, according to Vronsky, looking back into the dark heart of our evolution and, importantly, our success as a species. Right. Um, <clears throat> can you explain that, will you? It links into our ancient fascination with death and the undead. When we die, are we really dead? When, why do we die? Who chooses who dies and who does not? Our fascination with zombies and vampires is linked to the fact that our species succeeded because we are, at, at our core, all serial killers. It's how we triumphed over the Neanderthals, for instance. We attacked, murdered, raped and cannibalised an entire rival species, and they disappeared, leaving us the dominant human species. And now look at us. That is a little disturbing. At our core, we are all serial killers. Yeah, you've said that already. I just wanted to emphasise it. It's a chilling thought. It's a fact. Well, yeah, it's unsettling. Why? Well, I mean, a tiny proportion of us, of us humans, are serial killers. I mean, we don't all become serial killers. We all have the potential to become one. I don't think that's true. Why not? I don't know, it's a feeling. Well, the next thing you're going to say is that we're not all of us are psychopaths. Well, that's a valid point. Not all SKs are psychopaths. But they're disturbed, nevertheless. Perhaps <clears throat> they're just more human. More human? Closer to the essence of what it means to be human. I, <clears throat> I will dispute that. It's a valid point. I don't think that's right. I mean, human beings are capable of... Of such beauty, such kindness. Have you looked closely at South Mims lately? That is a cheap point. Well, that's a cheap place. OK, let's just focus on what your course is about. All the research done by law enforcement organisations around the world into the SK phenomenon shows that SKs are made in childhood. That's the incubator for serial killers, the family. Especially the fragmented, dysfunctional family. Parents who split up, parents who don't, Parents who care too much, parents who don't care at all, childhood abuse and trauma or neglect are all factors. 
And how long does it take? The research shows that most SKs start their true work around about 28 years old. Can they be that specific? Sure they can. There's lots of data. Right. Data. Big data, dead data. Clever. What? What you did there. Big data, dead data. That's what I'm going to call my book. Clever. If we go back to what Vronsky believes, we'll find a strange twist to it. He says that the serial killing impulse in Homo sapiens was an evolutionary advantage. I don't know if that makes sense. Deep down, we're all just a little bit psychopathic. We needed to be to survive and to compete with other human species as well as animals. We killed animals to eat them. We killed Neanderthals to dominate the man to eat them. That's why one of the most common markers amongst SKs is cannibalism. It's thought that Jack the Ripper might have eaten some of the organs he took home with him. Jeffrey Dahmer definitely did. Many other SKs did. It's a deep-seated fascination we have. That rich, meaty taste of human flesh, cure, cooked or cured. OK, but luckily most of us don't become full-blown psychopaths. It's estimated that 1 in 83 Americans and 1 in 166 Brits could be diagnosed as psychopaths. But there aren't that many serial killers. No, luckily, they go into politics or business or become traffic wardens. If we had more traffic wardens, there'd be fewer SKs. That's a joke, right? The traffic wardens part. A joke? My point is, serial killers are true psychopaths. Not all of them. That's a myth. It's a fallacy. Our brains are wired with ancient reptilian features. But, for the sake of civilization, we, we've layered other more cooperative instincts on top of them. But they're there, and sometimes their wiry tendrils lace up like weeds through the grey matter and drive us to... to kill. Uh, do we know what can spark them off? Uh, SKs, I mean? There's lots of work going on right now to deepen our understanding of that. And do you cover that in the course? Well, why wouldn't we? It's an essential part of the course. We ask simple questions which can be answered by a rich source of historical data. Like, do serial killers look like serial killers. Do they? No, they don't. No one knows what a serial killer looks like until that serial killer has been caught. And then? They just look like themselves. They don't act differently to you or me. And they don't look different. They're just themselves, individuals. No scars, piercing eyes. Some have scars and piercing eyes. No nervous tics or uh, jerky strange movements. Some do. But you said... People who aren't serial killers have those things too. Oh, yeah, of course. They don't wear clothes that mark them out as serial killers. OK. Though some do dress up, most don't. You can't say that a serial killer um, prefers beige to blue, for instance. Is there data about that? Well, strangely, beige is slightly more common in terms of serial killer garb than you might expect. Actually, it's something I would have expected. Why? Well, I don't know. Beige makes me think of uh, middle-aged men with anoraks who stare at young girls. That's very specific. Is it? Very. Let's move on. Many SKs had a domineering mother and or a weak, weak and passive father, if the father was present at all. Parenting is essential to the creation of a successful serial killer, as I said. Well, that is a weird way to put it. In my business, it makes sense. Many serial killers had mothers who drank heavily and were promiscuous, either when they were married or in the absence of the father of that child. It's quite a cocktail. It's not something you ever get over. Right. It scars you. OK. It, it's what makes you hate 
postmen and traffic wardens. I think I see where you're going. It's not where you're from that counts. It's where you came from. In, in SK terms, many serial killers are asocial. They don't like company, they stay home, and they are angry. But the anger is bottled up inside and only let out when they capture a cat and do unspeakable things to it behind the skip that's permanently in their garden like an open wound, symbolising the breakup of their parents' marriage with the beige kitchen units decaying in the grey light of a long, lechworth winter. Okay. So, if my parents had um, not done a good job... They're still... Only a small chance you're going to become a Jeffrey Dahmer. All the stars of bad fortune have to align. Your inherent traits, your circumstances, your traumas, your reaction to neglect, the way you cope with having someone put cigarettes butts out on your leg or, or tell you that you'd never stop wetting the bed or make you wear a dress to your first Holy Communion. Mark, are you okay? We can we can stop if you. Like. I'm fine. Are you fine? Uh, well, if I'm honest, I, I'm I, I'm a little uneasy. Ooh, we're safe in here. But I have to walk home. No, I'll I'll walk with you. Uh, okay, thanks. They'll find him, the South Mim slasher, or her. They use big data now. There's a technique called geo profiling. It uses the data from crime scene analysis as well as data from previous cases to try and narrow down where the suspect could live or work. You see, most SKs don't kill people on their doorstep, but they don't go usually go too far afield either. If they deliberately go much further, then that's a pattern in itself. Are they truck drivers? Quite a lot of SKs have been truck drivers. Or maybe they're travelling salespeople, or any other kind of peripatetic worker, like postmen. You don't seem to like postman. That's not the point. The algorithm suggests places where the perp might be, and it's up to the cops to either investigate or not. The more murders there are, the better the data, and the more precise the geo-profiling can get. Well, that sounds good. Now, um, I know you have a project you're doing with the Business Studies Department. Yes, we're working on a project to bring out collectible cards featuring serial killers and their crimes. Sorry, explain that to me, please. They're like baseball cards, or, you know, or cards with football players on them. When I was young, you'd get a stick of gum and you'd start a collection and swap them with your mates in the playground. I think that kind of collectible is set to make a comeback. It might be a digital format, like Pokemon Go. Are you serious? Shouldn't I be? You think there's a market for that amongst young people? And older people. We're working on the design right now. I can tell you the Jeffrey Dahmer one looks really good. OK. Right. Well, <clears throat> Mark um, Sitkowski, thank you for taking the time to take part in our podcast series from South Mims University. And good luck with um, uh, all your ventures. Luck has nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back with more insights from the faculty at South Mims. Goodbye. Mark, why did you lock the door? Mm -hmm.